We're so glad that we serve a God of all power this morning. This morning, uh, the message is titled, The Death of the Dream or the Death of the Promise. John chapter 12 and verse 24 says, and this is Jesus talking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. A kernel of corn is useless on its own. It's just a kernel of corn. You could probably eat it, um, and, and that's it. Not much sustenance. But if it is planted in the ground or if it falls into the ground, there is a, a process where that kernel dies, but that death brings forth new life. And when it brings forth new life, it brings forth much fruit. It's not just that single kernel anymore, but there is a great effect and a powerful effect if that kernel of corn dies. There is a process that is brought about where much fruit is able to be gained from it. And it's the same when God gives a promise. Sometimes it comes to a place where it seems like that promise can never be fulfilled, can never come to pass that the time frame is over, that it is an impossibility for what God has promised to come to pass. But, and that can bring about the death of that dream in our lives, in our hearts. But when we continue to trust in the Lord, if that is a dream from the Lord, if that is a promise from the Lord, then he will still bring it to pass. Because that is the God that we serve. One amazing example in the Bible is Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was called out from a country that I'm sure he was quite comfortable in, civilization. He was called to go to a land that he never knew of. But when he got to that land, God gave him a promise saying, I'm going to give you all of this land to you and your children. Now, Abraham and Sarah didn't have any children. And it, and time went on and on and on. And nothing was happening. There was, there was no child, no heir. And yet God continued to repeat the promise to Abraham and to Sarah. And it got to the place where Sarah heard um, an angel give the promise and she laughed. And because she was really, really old. And uh, when God gave that promise again, Sarah was 99 years old. She was unable to have children in the physical. It just wasn't possible. It was an impossibility for God to bring that promise to pass. And yet he kept repeating it. And then he promised that this time next year, it's going to happen. And exactly as was promised, it happened. Because we don't serve a God of limits. And so Abraham 
was 100 years old and Sarah was 99 years old when they had a child. Impossible by our standards. Impossible by natural standards. But God still brought it to pass because he was the one that had promised it. Nothing was too difficult. Were there times that Abraham uh, lost faith? Probably. He was, he was saying, well, I don't know how this is going to come to pass. But Abraham was a man of faith. And Abraham was able to believe that God was going to do things even when they were impossible. That is the faith of Abraham. And then... When Isaac was growing, he was probably in his 20s, God called Abraham and said, and told him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice to him. Now, there wasn't the law at that time. Abraham just had to trust God. These were the sort of sacrifices that were demanded of the, the false gods of the time. But This was something that God did not require and does not require. But the Bible says that he was, it's translated as tempt, but the better translation is test. God was testing Abraham. Did he still trust in him? He had all of these promises um, that it was going to be through Isaac. The, The promise was going to be, there was going to be a great nation that came out of Abraham and specifically out of Isaac. And But God said, offer him as a sacrifice to me. And so he went and was obedient. And at the very last second, God called out and, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And then he, got, he basically gave a, a different offering instead of his son. But... He was about to do exactly what God asked him to do. In the book of Hebrews, it lets us know that Abraham knew that God was even able to raise Isaac from the dead. He had that much faith in God and that he would keep his promises. How much faith do we have in God when he promises us something? I wonder. We can... We can be so so wishy-washy sometimes. God gives us a promise and it's powerful. And we know it's going to be in the future sometime, but then circumstances come about where it seems like the promise will never come to pass. And so different people can react in different ways. We could blame God or we could get bitter, or we could doubt what God has given to us as a promise. But that is not what God wants to do. He wants to test us. He wants to see if we're still going to believe in him, even when it seems impossible for that to still come to pass. Another good example in the Bible is Joseph. Joseph was given not one dream, but two dreams from God about first his his brothers bowing down before him and then his brothers and his mother and his father bowing down before him. 
And this made uh, his brethren quite angry with him. And they decided to get rid of the problem. And so they put him into a pit. They were going to kill him. But they ended up selling him into slavery. And so he made his long way into Egypt, where he was sold as a slave to a man named Potiphar. And I wonder what Joseph thought about his dreams at that time. When he was in the pit, as he was being taken probably in chains to Egypt, as he was in Potiphar's house, things improved, things were going okay. In Potiphar's house, Potiphar raised him up to be the head underneath him. But he was no closer to the dream that God had given him. And then he was accused for something that he did not do and thrown into prison. And I wonder how Joseph tried to reconcile the dream with the situation where he was. He was in prison. There was no way out of prison. He was in there for life. There was no way for his dream to come to pass. It was an impossibility. And then two of Pharaoh's um, servants who waited on him were cast into prison. And then after a period of time, they both had a dream. Two different dreams or very similar dreams but with different interpretations they had in the same night. And God gave Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams and they came to pass. And Joseph asked the man who was going to be restored to Pharaoh's palace to remember him when he was brought back. But he forgot or he just didn't bother. He didn't think about it anymore. And so Joseph thought, Maybe here is a way that I can get out. Maybe here is a way that the dream could be fulfilled. But he was there writing again for another long period of time. And I can only imagine the thoughts and the emotions that was going through his mind at that point in time. He had a promise, but that promise was still impossible. There was no way out. There was, he was in bondage. He was unable to do anything about anything. But God had brought him to be second in command within the prison as well. And then, eventually, when Pharaoh had a dream, this cupbearer remembered Joseph. And God lifted up Joseph into a position of prominence, into a position of power in the land. And and made provision for, uh, for um, Israel, for Jacob to, and his sons to actually not die from that famine because it was sought, and Egypt was the only place that had corn, that had grain, because God had provided. And God will always make a way for his people, even in horrendous circumstances. And so everything that happened in Joseph's life took him one step closer to exactly where he was meant to be, to exactly fulfilling the, the, the dream. And, and just as 
the dream was, and just as the promise from God was, his brethren bowed down to him. His father bowed down to him. Because God is a fulfiller of promises. He doesn't forget his promises. But sometimes there is a long, long period of time from when he gives us the promise to when he actually brings it to pass. And it's what we do with that promise within that long, long period of time that makes all of the difference. There are those that have been given promises by God, but they have gotten bitter. There are those that have been given promises by God, but they have given up. And and some have even left the church because it didn't seem possible anymore. Israel were in bondage in Egypt. But God delivered them. He used his servant Moses and led them out into the promised land. There was a promise that had been given to Israel. But Pharaoh was not going to let them go. Pharaoh was not going to allow them to go. And it took many plagues for Pharaoh to actually realize that something was going on something that wasn't natural, and for him to actually do what God was uh, requiring him to do. And God, as he had promised, sent and took Israel to that promised land. Israel made mistakes along the way, but God's promise was still sure and it was still steadfast. It wasn't going to be that generation. They failed God. They turned away they decided to that God's promise was not good enough. And so, and they were afraid of what was in the land. And so it was their children that took the land. But the promise did not die because of the children of Israel's disobedience. It was just delayed. When God promises something, he'll bring it to pass. In his time, and in his way. It's not always going to be the way that we think it's going to be. Jesus was the Messiah. And his disciples knew that he was the Messiah. Through all of the the miracles and the wonders and the signs and the way he spoke. And he knew and, and they, they knew that he was the Messiah. The disciples were tested. And many left because of Jesus' words at one particular point in time that seemed to be hard to take, to understand. But those disciples that were faithful, they continued to believe the promise. However, they believed that the Messiah was going to deliver Israel from the Romans. They believed that he was going to be a mighty man of power and that somehow he was going to deliver them from the bondage and the the oppression of the Romans on their land, on their people, and on the way they worshipped. But, as we all know, Jesus didn't come for that reason. 
He came to be a sacrifice for all sin. For everybody's sin, if we would just come to Him. And if we would repent, if we would be baptized, if we would be filled with the Holy Ghost. But the disciples didn't realize this. And so after Jesus had had uh, been crucified and buried and risen again, there were two disciples that walked on the road to Emmaus. And they were talking to each other. And then this third man came and joined them. They didn't realize that it was Jesus. And they were talking about everything uh, that had been going on and and one thing that they said was, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. We, we trusted in him. We, we, we knew that this was the man of God. We knew that this was the Messiah. We trusted that it was going to happen. But it's impossible now. It cannot happen now. He's dead. He's been buried. But Jesus took them and he gave them a better understanding of what the Messiah meant. Peter was a a man of faith and he had a great confidence in himself and how He was going to follow Jesus even if no one else was. Jesus gave him a prophecy, basically, that he was going to deny him. And Peter refused to accept that. Peter wanted to follow Jesus, but he ran away when the soldiers came. And then he ended up denying Jesus three times. I can only imagine how Peter felt. There's one passage that talks about um, how, how that someone who had, who had seen Jesus needed to go and tell Peter and the, and the rest of the apostles. It appears that Peter was not with the rest of the apostles at that time. He was in a bad place. And for him, the dream had died. For him... He, he thought he was strong. He thought that he was going to follow Jesus no matter what. He thought that he was going to be a powerful person in God's kingdom. But he denied. He, he, he ran away and he failed God miserably. But that did not mean that Jesus had finished with him. He went fishing and... and And Jesus basically came and stood on the shore and and got him to cast on the other side. And the net was full of fish. He realized it was Jesus and he cast himself into the sea. But that was not Jesus giving up on Peter. He had a conversation with Peter after that and he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Three times he asked him if he loved him. And he gave him a work to do. He said, I still want to use you, Peter. 
You have failed me, but the promise is still alive. I want to use you. And it was Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost with the disciples next to him, declaring to the people what the Holy Ghost meant and what they needed to do to be saved. Peter had been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven by Jesus, but his failure did not mean that the dream was over, that that promise was over. It was still alive because God will do things in his time. I remember that in my own personal life, I was following God as as faithfully as I could be. And Brother Jacobson, my pastor, started to make me an usher in the Townsville Church. Now, becoming an usher was not just greeting people at the church. Yes, at church door, and yes, it was that. But it basically meant that Brother Jacobson was wanting to, to start to use me to develop me into a minister. And I had had a, a dream, uh, well, not a dream, but um, a calling. God had had uh, had given me a calling to be a minister. And so... For me, this was this was the dream starting to come to pass. And I was an usher for a period of time. And then Brother Jacobson came to me and said, I'd like you to step down from being an usher. And uh, he said, I've got some, some other, um, other young, young men I want to, to start bringing up in the ministry. And to say that that didn't throw me for a six would not be correct. To say that this didn't hurt a bit inside would have been a lie because, and I could see that everything that I thought was going to happen crumbling around me. But I knew I still had a calling on my life. And so I did my very best not to be bitter. And in God's time, it was many years later, he started to bring me into the ministry again. But I could have gotten better. I could have have thrown my hands in the air. I could have had a bad attitude towards my pastor. And that would have been wrong. That would not have been the right response. We can be our own worst enemies in God's will coming to pass in our lives. We, by our own attitudes and our actions, can cause the delay of our dream longer than God had planned it. But that does not mean that the dream is dead. Because God is a faithful God. And we are the ones that when we come into the right place with God, again, then he's able to start bringing that to pass once again. I remember we had, um, before they went over to, um, to Adelaide, um, we had a couple in, in the church here, um, brother, brother Ferdinand, Brother Bong aboard, and 
Sister Patricia, his wife. And I remember Sister Patricia talking about how she felt she had a call to be a missionary. And and uh, there, there was that dream there. And, and then she got married. And she had children and she, she thought, well, I don't, I don't see how this is going to happen anymore. Um, I've, I've got a child now. I, I can't see how I can be a missionary. But God called Brother Ferdinand and Sister Patricia to East Timor. Um, or, and they were a missionary there. Because God gives dreams and he brings them to pass. Our circumstances might change. But his promise does not. And his ability to bring the promise to pass also does not change. Also remember with me that Natalie and I wanted to have a child. Um, But nothing was happening. And I remember that God gave me a promise that by the end of the year, of, of that year, that we would have a child. And I kept faith, and, uh, and March came and went, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe it's, it's the pregnancy is going to start by the end of the year. And so it kept going on, and nothing was happening, nothing was happening. And eventually got to the end of the year and passed. And I had the promise, but I could not see how it was actually going to come to pass. And I prayed about it, and the Lord gave me one word. He said, soon. Soon. And so I kept trusting in the Lord. Even though the time frame had passed, even though the promise seemed like it was was not going to happen, I kept trusting in him. And it was a couple of months into the year when God actually brought it to pass. When God gives us a promise, sometimes it is delayed. And sometimes it is delayed beyond the time frame that he gives because he wants to tr- us to trust him, even when it seems like it's impossible. I also remember a man in the, the Townsville Church who now pastors in Brisbane, Brother Frank Imarizio. He had a promise from the Lord that he would find his wife by his 40th birthday. And his birthday was in conference time, um, so he expected that he would, he would meet his, his bride by, you know, um, by conference time. And it got to his 40th birthday. And I remember him telling the story saying, God, where is she? Where is she? And it was the very next day that he met the lady that would become his wife. You see, God will often test us. 
beyond the time frame that he gives because he wants to see if we're still going to trust in him. If we trust in him beyond our circumstances, if we trust in him beyond what we see with our eyes and what, what we think with our minds, the bigger the dream from the Lord, the more it will need to die before it comes to pass. Why? Because then it shows and proves to us without a doubt that we haven't fulfilled the dream or made the promise come to pass in our own strength. But it has been and it has always been Jesus who has brought it about. I want to encourage you this morning, if God has given you a dream, it will come to pass. No ifs, no buts. It will come to pass. But in many times, many occasions, that dream will need to die first. It will need to become an impossibility or something that seems impossible. The worst thing we can ever do is to try to make the dream come to pass in our own power. Going back to Abraham and Sarah, they tried to make the the dream of God come to pass, the promise of God come to pass in their own power. And that's where Ishmael and the entire Arab nation comes from, who have traditionally been a thorn in the side of the Jewish nation for centuries. You see, if we try to make the dream come to pass, there will be serious consequences. We try to make the dream come to pass In our own strength, it's not God. And there is going to be consequences. Because we're not trusting in the God that gave us the dream in the first place. If the dream isn't coming to pass, that is what God wants to see. Our reaction, our response. That's when we need to trust him even more. Not get bitter, not throw our our toys out of the pram, not give up, not leave the church, but to trust him even more. That's when God will start to work in you. The bigger the dream, the more of an impossibility it will need to become so that Jesus can step in when it seems like all is lost and show his omnipotence, his power, that he has all power in every situation to lift our faith, to make us realize that we can trust in him for anything that he tells us in our lives. However, you need to be sure that the dream is actually from God first. You know, sometimes people, well-meaning, tell other people things when it's not of God. Sometimes we want something so bad within ourselves that... We make it our own promise, but it's not from God. Sometimes we want to do something for God so bad that we create our own dreams. God doesn't fulfill those dreams. He doesn't have to fulfill those dreams. But if God has given you a dream, don't ever let it go. Don't ever say, okay, that's it. It can't ever come to pass. I give up on you, God. Keep holding on to that promise. Keep holding on to that which God has given you. Even when it becomes seemingly impossible for it to come to pass. 
Or maybe that should be especially when it becomes seemingly impossible for it to come to pass. Because God is the God of the impossible. Many times in the Word of God, it talks about Him being the God of the impossible. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. That was the promise of God to Abraham. Jeremiah 32 and 17 Jeremiah is talking to God and says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. And then a little bit later, God answers Jeremiah back and says in Jeremiah 32 and 27 and says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The answer being no. And Mark 10 and 27, And Jesus looking upon them said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Luke 1 and 37 says, and it's talking about the promise of a virgin giving birth, that Mary was going to be that virgin. For with God nothing shall be impossible. We serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God that has all power. We serve a God where a promise is not made null and void when it seems to be impossible. The impossible is the realm where God works. The impossible is when Jesus steps in and does above all that we could ask or think. Hold on to your dream, the promise that God has promised you, even and especially after it can't come to pass anymore. Put your faith and trust in God like you never have before. And that is when you'll see miracles unfold before your very eyes. If you would stand with me, please, this evening. Did I say this evening? How about that? This morning. I'm sure it will become this evening very soon. I want to give us the opportunity this morning to lift our hands and remember the promises that God has given you. you. God may have given you that promise so very long ago. In fact, you may have even forgotten about the promise until this morning when... Hearing this message reminded you that God had given you a promise. I want you to take that promise and lift it up before the Lord this morning. I want, if God hasn't given you any special promise, I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I'm going to trust in you. That you are going to bring to pass whatever you've said in my life. And I want you to take that promise I want to say, God, I still believe in that promise. Lord, it was so very long ago, but I know that you can still bring it to pass because you are the God of the impossible. Lord, it seems impossible to me that it could even come to pass anymore. Circumstances have changed. 
Maybe COVID has impacted a promise. But I'm still going to trust in you. I'm still going to hold on to that promise. I'm still going to hold on to what you've given me. Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, that I haven't been as trusting in you as I should have been. But Lord, I bring the promise to you again. I trust in you. I still trust that you are going to bring it to pass. Lord, we trust in you. Lord, we trust in you, Jesus. We trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, 